You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. The Car Feature with Nicole Lowe. It is time for the Car Feature with Nicole Lowe, and he will be taking all of your technical questions uh, to do with all of all types of vehicles. Uh, give us a call on 011-8830702 in the WhatsApp line 072702-1702 for any questions you'd like to direct to Nickel. Nickel, I feel like we have not been together for a very long time. Hi, our listeners. Yes, but, yes. Uh, it's good to be back. It is good. It is good to have you. So now you have been driving the Volvo XC40 P6. I I have to admit I am a massive fan of the Volvo. Um, I always think about it as the safest car. Now being a parent, you now are not looking for the sexiest car, the fastest car. You just want the safest car. So what is so special about this particular car? And how's the experience been? What is so special, Rilbegile, it's, it's a full electric vehicle. So it's got no petrol or diesel engine. And uh, I've driven quite a few electric vehicles in my life. Um, but it seems like the, the trend now of moving to electric is ga- gaining momentum as mm. we speak. So more and more electric vehicles are getting into our country. Um, and uh, I get asked so many questions. Everywhere I stop, everyone is interested and especially now with the fuel price, uh, what it is at the moment, they're asking how much is it to drive, how far can you drive, all those kind of things. So I think we start need to start educating the public on new terms because we're all used to petrol and diesel. We, we're used to saying that our fuel tank, if it's a smaller car, it's 40 or 50 liters. If it's a bucky, it's 80 liters. If you've got your extra fuel tanks, you can do 120 liters of fuel in your vehicle. And you talk about fuel consumption in liters per hundred. So my vehicle or my buck is doing 10 liters per hundred. Um, but what is the electric vehicle's fuel consumption? And how big is the battery and how do I actually relate to it? So, so, so Nicole, be, be, before you even jump yes. into that, I have to tell you that when I was chatting to Clement Magnatella earlier, he was telling me about the stress that he had. Um, he was given, I think it's the BMW i, is it 8? I something um, that is also an electric vehicle. And he was saying, what a dream to drive an electric vehicle. However, at some point he found himself on only 10%. And then he says he was so stressed about getting to the next charging station. By the time he drove in there, it was at 1%. And many of the people who, who are like, I would love to have an electric vehicle. However, the charging stations are a worry. So before we jump into um, um, how you're going to break all of that down, did you find yourself stressing about where to charge next? Or did you you just have to plan it out in advance. Well, you have to plan. If it was a BMW i3, the first electric vehicles that came in was a BMW i3 and Nissan Leaf into South Africa. They had very small batteries. You talk about, and that's why I talk about size now. Yes. It's 25 kilowatt hour. Um, whereas the new latest electric vehicles, they go up to 90, even almost 100 kilowatt hour pack. So that's four times the size of the little i3 when it came in. This uh, XC40 I'm driving has got a 69 kilowatt hour pack. So to, to put it into perspective, um, if we talk about kilowatt hours and size, so, uh, but first to answer your question, the range of this vehicle, they claim 400 kilometers on the charge. Mostly I got about like 300, 320 kilometer range, which is not bad if it's your city driving all the time. You can charge it uh, at home uh, with a normal plug outlet. You get about three kilowatt. 
So you can imagine it takes quite a few hours to charge a 70 kilowatt hour pack. So more yes. than 20 hours to charge it. But you can, if you have three phones at home, you can charge it 11 kilowatts. Then it's about seven hours. So you can charge it overnight. And if you take it to a fast charging station, like you find in the shopping centers, that's normally like 50 kilowatts. So just over an hour, you can charge it full if it was completely empty. So range anxiety wasn't actually quite uh, quite so bad in this vehicle. And I think all the modern electric vehicles have got a, quite a big range. You're not going to go on holiday on these vehicles. But for city driving and that, I think it's fine. But let's just talk about the new units we all need to learn. Yeah. So a, a tank size used to be liters. Now think about electric tank size, which is your battery, in kilowatt hours. I already mentioned the small battery sizes that came in first 25 kilowatt hour. Now we're almost at 100 kilowatt hour. Um, now if you think about uh, how much energy do I use when I drive. So driving this XC40, you can look at the energy consumption, the way we normally would talk about liters per 100 it's now kilowatt hours per 100 kilometers. And this Volvo was reading around 20 kilowatt hours per 100. So if you think about it, it's got a 70 hour kilowatt hour battery pack. You divide that by 20 and multiply by 100. That gives you 350 kilometer range. So you can work it out. But you'll have to get used to kilowatt hour per 100 kilometers. And then you have to look at your tank size to see how far you can go. So it's a bit different to, to petrol and diesel. But if you think about the cost equation, so ESCOM power costs you around 2 rands per kilowatt hour. So if I fill this tank of this XC40, the battery tank that is, mm-hmm. um, it will cost 70 times to 140 rands, and I can drive 350 kilometers. So that's not a bad equation. If you're a petrol or diesel car, you put 140 rand in, you go around the block. Um, so from a money perspective, so think about your, your petrol car, say you're doing 10 kilometers, uh, uh, per, uh, so 10 liters per 100 kilometers, then to go 100 kilometers will cost you, it's now 25 rand a liter, so it's about 250 rands per 100 kilometers, whereas this Volvo would cost me 40 rands per 100 kilometers. So you can imagine the, the, the saving you have in electricity. I mean, if we have electricity available to charge in this country, that's a whole other topic. And if it's clean, that's another topic yeah. again. But um, direct cost from energy while you drive is like a quarter or even a fifth of a petrol or a, a diesel-powered vehicle. And how much, if I may ask, is the car? Well, um, a million rand. Oh, that's pocket change to you, Nickel Low. <laughs> <laughs> so, unfortunately, the technology is still very expensive. Yes. But, I mean, this one is sort of uh, more on the affordable uh, side of the electric spectrum. If you look at your uh, Porsche Taycans, your iPaces, your e-trons, you're talking about close to 2 million rand. So, this is actually not so bad. And we can see, I think, if the prices will have to come down eventually when the move goes to all electric but uh, in third world countries and countries like South Africa we have to drive long distance I think it will take a very long time before electric will take over but for your city driving and if you have a second car to go on holiday it's perfect okay thank you so much for that Nicolo it is time to go to the lines 011-830-702 and the whatsapp line 072-702-1702 702. The car feature with Nicole Lowe. Okay, let's go to Fortune in Johannesburg CBD. Fortune, how are you? Hi, Ruben, how are you? Good, good, thanks. And you? I'm fine, thank you. I've got a problem. I want to ask Nicole. 
I've got a problem here with my Hyundai FM 2013. I am changing spark plugs like every 5,000 kilometers. And this is so frustrating. I don't want to lie. I don't know what's wrong, but yesterday I got another guy to put it in a very small machine and it gave me an error code P0132. So I really don't know what that code is for. Okay, so the P codes are powertrain codes on diagnostics. So you can actually Google that code. It will tell you what it is. Um, when your spark plugs don't last, it's normally because your air-fuel ratio is not correct. So maybe you've got bad fuel consumption as well. I'm not sure. It is um, very, but very heavy on fuel. Yeah, so it can be that the plugs are fouling up because it's maybe running too rich. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's that code that you mentioned there is either linked to the lambda sensor in exhaust for air-fuel ratio or even uh, mass airflow sensor uh, because it needs to know the airflow um, and also the exhaust gas composition to be able to tune the fueling to be at lambda 1, which is a stoichiometric, the correct air-fuel ratio for that engine to run. So if the air-fuel ratio is correct, the, uh, the plug uh, shouldn't foul up, it should run clean and it shouldn't fail. Obviously, if the engine is quite old and it's starting to burn oil as well, oil can also foul uh, the spark plugs. I mean, if you take the spark plugs out, if you look at the tips, are they what color are they? Are they completely black and oily, or how do they look like? They are completely black. Yes. So it's either it's running too rich, uh, which might be a problem, and then it will be very heavy on fuel, or it's burning a lot of oil uh, through the engine, but then you'll see a big cloud of smoke at your exhaust. So I don't know if that's the case. I would first no, it doesn't smoke at all. Okay, so just Google that code and see what sensor it is. If uh, The diagnostic machine should actually tell you that, that as well. So any independent uh, person that can do diagnostics, plug in an OBD port, should be able to tell you what sensor is then faulty. And I'll, I'll, my guess is it's linked to the air-fuel ratio going through the engine. Okay, I did check the... the, the it's, it's a default front-heated oxygen sensor, bank one. Okay, now that sounds to me like the, they call it the lambda sensor or the O2 sensor. So that sits in your exhaust, and it checks that the exhaust gases that comes out that your fueling is correct. So as I say, it's a 14 to 1 air-fuel ratio. It's the stoichiometric ratio that which you need to run at. And if that sensor has failed, then your uh, in electronic control unit of the vehicle controlling the fueling has got no clue how much fuel to add. So maybe it's adding way too much fuel, it's running rich, it's fouling your plugs, and you're getting bad fuel consumption. So just double-check, it might be that sensor that failed. All right, thank you so much, Fortune and Jobek CBD. Terence in Centurion, hi. Hi, Mabuil, how are you? Good, thanks, and you? Good, thanks. Um, I've been doing some research uh, on these electric cars. But what I wanted to find out is, is it possible to charge it through a solar system or it specifically needs electricity? Right, so um, theoretically it is possible to charge your electric car with a solar system. But remember, as to run your house when ESCOM is not working, you need loads of solar panels to be able to generate enough power to be able to run your house, but then you have, need to have uh, excess power available to be able to, to charge your electric vehicles. So theoretically, it's possible. Um, if you've already got a system that sort of runs your house off the grid, you've got already got uh, your battery packs and everything, 
it runs through an uh, inverter, you can probably run a normal household socket uh, purely then on the green energy, but that will only give you about 3 kilowatts uh, from a household socket uh, to be able to charge uh, the vehicle. So again, if, depending on the battery pack, if it's, uh, say, a 60 kilowatt hour battery pack, will take you 20, uh, 20 hours then to charge. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'm glad you said in theory, but practically it might be something else altogether. Let's go to Keith in Athol. Hi, Keith. Hi, Lebo, Nicole. Um, Nicole, in a previous show, you spoke about the difference between 93 and 95 uh, octane fuel. Um, the, the U.S. Energy Information Administration has three fuel classifications. There's regular, which is 87 octane, mid-grade 89 to 90, premium 91 to 94. So I was just wondering why, you know, their lowest rating is 87 octane, where ours is 93, or is it simply because they use a different standard to measure the octane rating? No, I believe octane rating should be the same uh, internationally as well. Um, it's cheaper to produce fuel with a lower octane. Um, that's maybe one of the reasons. Uh, remember, octane has nothing to do with the energy of fuel. The energy is the same in all the fuels. got the same uh, megajoules per kilogram or per liter. Uh, the octane um, actually gives you the resistance against a phenomenon which is called uh, knocked or auto-combustion. So in a, in a petrol engine, you need a spark to ignite the fuel and start the burning process. But the octane is sort of prevents the fuel from igniting by itself just because of pressure and heat. Um, so the higher the octane number, the more you can push the performance of the engine. So if you've got a turbocharged engine, you're running your ignition timing quite advanced, you need a high octane rating, then you also get a lot of power out. So with a naturally aspirated engine running at altitude where the air is less dense, you can actually get away with some very much lower octane rating fuel without any drop in performance so that's why if you run a naturally aspirated engine that's not a performance engine in Gauteng you might as well just fill up with 93 there's no benefit of uh, of, of switching to 95 so where the uh, the US um, I can't quite comment why it goes as low as 87 um, maybe it's a historic thing with their big lazy V8 engines with very low compression ratio where octane would have a very limited effect on, on power produced. But if you add 87 octane to a modern engine, say at uh, sea level, then that engine will have knock sensors to prevent knock and retard the timing, limit the boost, and also the, uh, so you'll lose a lot of power running uh, 87 fuel at sea level in a performance engine, if that makes sense. All right, uh, let's, uh, thank you so much, Keith, for that question. Stephen, you've got a question about the Volvo. Yes, uh, this particular Volvo that, that you guys are talking about, would the electrical system be sufficient enough to, to handle the necessary 1.21 gigawatts to power the flux capacitor? Is it the flux capacitor in Back to the Future? <laughs> yeah. No, you, you, need a, you need a lightning strike for that. You know? I mean, power for a battery is not enough, right? Eh? Stephen, you're so <laughs> ambitious. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Have a good day. Steve. Oh, Nicole. Okay. Let's go to Gift in Pretoria. Hi, Gift. 
Right level. Uh, I got a question for Mr. Nicole. It might be something different, mm. but I just want to find maybe you can help me regarding uh, when you uh, you've, you've taken your car to to a panel beater, uh, the panel beater that's struggling with the parts, and your car is still under warranty. Um, are you entitled to to purchase a car from from the brand from the from the dealership? So best is to, to read your sales contract when you bought a car new, and it would probably list there under the terms and conditions if you're entitled to a courtesy car or not, and for okay. how long. Um, but I think most of the times a courtesy car is basically goodwill from the brand. I don't think it's, in most cases, I don't think there's a there's small print that says you can have a car. But I mean, if you if if your car's had a panel beaters for months and months and you haven't got transport and so on, I would always recommend speaking to the dealer principal, speaking to the OEM head office, and see if I can't do anything for you. So at at, at some point, they need to realise that they're going to lose a, a customer or a client if it keeps on going like this, and then they can maybe uh, get you a courtesy car. Um, once you have that courtesy car, you will probably see how quickly the car gets fixed because it's very expensive for them to keep giving you a courtesy car while they fix your issues. So maybe that's a good way to speed them up as well. All right, and I think that's some good advice there uh, as, uh, in terms of things to look at when you are buying a vehicle. And I don't think many people look for that in the fine print, Nickel. Thank you, Gift, for that question. Bogani Centurion, hi. Hi, hi, this is Bogani. Um, Nico, I just had a quick, quick question on you. Uh, I've got the Polo Vivo 1.4, which is 2014 model. Um, but it, for recently, it has been um, consuming a lot of water. Every second week, I have to put in water. They, I went to the mechanic. They put in the, uh, the a new tank, you know, the new water container, but didn't help. And then they said, I need to come again. And I, I'm not so sure, but now they're talking about a water valve. Would you be able to assist me? Just a question, is the water draining from the engine onto your, onto the floor of the garage or where you park, or is it just disappearing? No, it's just disappearing. It doesn't, I don't see any water on the floor or anything. Okay. If it's just disappearing, there's two ways that you can do that. Either the, one of the, the cap of the radiator is not sealing correctly, and it's basically water vapor that's disappearing. The other problem is a bit more alarming, and that's when the head gasket of the vehicle is going. Remember, the water also runs through the, through the engine, and there's water jackets, but then there's also a head gasket, which is between the cylinder block and the head. And if that starts to fail, some of the water from the water jackets can actually enter the combustion chamber, and it actually goes out the exhaust also as water vapor. So I would say take the vehicle to a radiator expert. They can do a test where they look for combustion gases in the, the radiator, in the coolant, to tell you if, the, if it's failed. And they can also do a compression test on each cylinder to make sure that the compression is there. Because if a head gasket is gone, you will lose compression. So that's the only way the water can disappear is either water vapor out the cap or water vapor out the exhaust. Okay. So the, the, the water valve is not... Is, couldn't be a possibility. No, I don't think it's a water valve. If we talk about a valve, it's probably the thermostat that opens and closes the water circuit, but that won't result in a leak. If it was a water pump, there's also a seal that can go there, but then it leaks onto the ground. You, you should see the, the water on the ground. That's why I think it's not one of those.
All right, Bonganin Centurion, thank you so, so much for your call and for your question. Nicolo, it is so great to be back together again with you for our car feature. And to all of you that joined us in our conversations today, we are back tomorrow. It's three o'clock.